It's Saturday the 15th of July. I'm Kira Evans and this was a week that saw Ryan Tuberty strike back. The BBC mystery presenter revealed NATO leaders gather in Lithuania and Margot Robbie talking up her Ken. RG got itself a new boss this week, with Kevin Backer stepping into the Director General role. He was on site on Sunday preparing for some swift action, and RG employees got his first email bright and early on Monday morning. I'd rather not say too much ahead of tomorrow. Just say we're going to be in contact with staff first thing in the morning via email. Then I'll be going around meeting people and trying to take questions and explain what we're trying to do. The only thing I say to people is... It's time for action now, that's what we need. Already Rory Coveney, the RTE head of strategy and the man taking responsibility for the toy show musical flop, has resigned. Thetuk Leo Varadkar said just because there's a new DG in place, it doesn't mean RTE's troubles are over. I wouldn't see it as the end of the affair. Uh, I think it's the beginning of some changes uh, that are important in RTE. But, you know, I think we shouldn't get away from the basic fact that RTE is a very important institution. I hope that the end of this process will see us with a stronger Monday saw Ortiz's new boss get to work with a shake-up of existing management. Director of Strategy Rory Coveney had resigned on Sunday evening. Commercial Director Geraldine O'Leary stepped up her retirement plan. And Kevin Backhurst had news too on CFO Richard Collins, who went viral for not knowing his own salary. He's helping us with Iraqis inquiries and other work, but he's stood back from day-to-day roles uh, CFO. The executive board has also been disbanded and a new interim board put in its place. In the new spirit of transparency, the new DG spoke to reporters and says he's earning a quarter of a million euros a year, plus that all-important car allowance, but it's less than he earned at his previous job in the UK. There was a broad welcome for his initial moves, with Media Minister Catherine Martin praising the first steps to restore confidence, and NUJ Secretary Seamus Dooley was also cautiously positive. I think that the standing down of the the board is a good idea, Uh, but there will be questions to be asked about that. I mean, we will be asking if people who are stood down, what are the costs of restructuring? Are people going to walk out the gate with exit packages? Ryan Tuberty had his chance to set the record as he saw it straight on Tuesday, as he and Super Agent Noel Kelly appeared before both the Rochester Media Committee and the Public Accounts Committee. Tubbs came out swinging with a list of seven untruths and he prepared statements that focused his anger on RTE. I'm particularly upset and disappointed about the decision and framing of the RT statement of June 22nd, which inextricably linked my name to this whole fiasco. Agent Noel Kelly was intent on blaming Orty for the whole mess, batting away questions about why his company had been happy to send invoices for consultancy fees to a UK company instead of RTE. TD Imelda Munster also couldn't understand why neither the RTE star or the agent had made any attempt to correct the wrong figures when RTE published them. You would have saved Mr Tuberty a lot of questions and hassle had you called it out publicly at the time. But as you can see, under declaration, over declaration, OT put these figures out, not us. Ryan also addressed his decision to quit the late late, saying it was purely and simply a decision he made and that he'd been thinking about it since last summer. I presented that show. I loved working with those people. I loved the audience. I loved the job. I did it for 14 years. I ran out of gas. I chose to leave. There is no conspiracy. Orti themselves were back once again in the Oireachtas committee rooms on Thursday, although they brought a fresh cast, including brand new Director General Kevin Backhurst. Things started well as chairperson of the Orti board, Shuani Rahalik, was busy singing the praises of the new DG, even if she did choose a somewhat unfortunate metaphor. I think it is fair to say that in a few short days, he is steadying the ship of Orti by taking swift action on a range of important matters. 
from leadership reform to the introduction of a register and more. Things didn't go well from there, though, as Noel Kelly client Dave Fanning was reprimanded for referring to the hearing as a nonsical Oireachtas Nuremberg trial, a remark he then apologised for via Twitter. It also turned out that despite assurances Ryan Tuberty wouldn't lose his job by Friday, as he feared, he's not being paid by ORT until the contract issues are resolved. There is no salary being currently paid. Uh, as of this week now. Um, yeah, we should, but, but, no, because we need to agree what that level of that is. It also turns out there was meetings between former DGD Forbes and Super Agent Noel Kelly and most dramatic of all, Breda O'Keefe, former CFO, was busy texting interim deputy DG Adrian Lynch despite saying she was unavailable to appear. Can I ask to make one clarification because I received a text from the former CFO just to say that she would dispute uh, the idea that uh, nobody in the exec board knew. No, no, we cannot receive second-hand evidence. Uh, we cannot receive second-hand evidence. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big week for NATO as leaders headed to the annual summit in Lithuania. Ahead of that, US President Joe Biden made a flying visit to the UK, arriving on Sunday night for a catch-up with PM Rishi Sunak and a formal first meeting with King Charles. Ukrainian President Zelensky has been busy trying to make a case that Ukraine should be admitted to the alliance as soon as possible. But speaking to CNN on Sunday, Joe didn't sound convinced that the timing was right. I don't think it's ready for membership in NATO, but here's the deal. I spent a great deal of time trying to hold NATO together. I don't think there is unanimity in NATO about whether or not to bring Ukraine into the NATO family now, in the middle of a war. Joe Biden was barely in the UK for 24 hours, but managed to meet with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak in the Downing Street Garden, so beloved of Boris's pandemic parties. The two men spoke about the importance of this week's NATO meeting and reaffirmed that the UK and US special relationship remained strong, even as Rishi's every package arrived mid-chat. Couldn't be meeting with a closer friend and a greater ally. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I think we're moving along in a way that's positive. But our relationship is rock solid. Biden then headed off for his formal official meeting with King Charles and got to inspect the Guard of Honour at Windsor Castle. It's clear that there's no prospect of Ukraine being asked to join NATO while the war continues, but former White House Director of Global Engagement Brett Brewer praised the two men's united front as they head to the summit. This is an opportunity for both men to show how close relations are, even if, obviously, there are clouds and, and concerns that are looming on the horizon. The other big topic on the table was Sweden's membership of the Alliance. Neighbours Finland have already already joined, but stalling from Hungary and objections from Turkey held up Sweden's application. Monday night saw a last-minute breakthrough as talks hosted by NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg led to an announcement that Turkey would waive its veto and allow Sweden to join. We would like to have all the decisions to be made during the summit. I'll be there and I'll be doing whatever I can in order to, so to speak, expedite that solution. The issue of who should lead NATO has also been bubbling away in the background and current Secretary-General Jens Stolenberg has now agreed to stay on for another year. The former Prime Minister of Norway has been a safe pair of hands during a turbulent time for the alliance and US President Biden was backing ends all the way. Your leadership really matters. I still think that, uh, that President Putin thinks the way he succeeds is to break NATO. 
An Ada Summit wrapped up in Vilnius on Wednesday night with lots of smiling photos and happy faces at the press conference, but not everyone was delighted. Ukrainian President Zelensky wasn't pleased that there's still no timeline agreed for Ukraine to join NATO, but he backed down from his disrespectful comments on Tuesday night. He's still going to be checking the post every day until the invite arrives, though. With concrete success, we can state that the results of the summit are good, but if there was an invitation to NATO, they would be ideal. There was also some grumbling about Ukraine's lack of thank you notes from the UK's Defence Secretary Ben Wallace, who suggested Ukraine is treating its allies a bit like an Amazon warehouse for armaments. That tone was echoed by US National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who said the US people do deserve a degree of gratitude. UK PM Rishi Sunak was doing his best to smooth things on behalf of his buddy Zelensky. People across Ukraine are also fighting for their lives and freedom every single day. So I completely understand Vladimir's desire to do everything he can to protect his people and to stop this war. NATO Secretary General Jens Stolenberg stayed on script saying that whatever about the timing, it's not going to be a decision made by Russia. Ukraine, of course, has the right to choose its own path and what kind of security arrangements it wants to be part of. And if we can never allow that Moscow starts to decide who can or who cannot be a member of a NATO. It was an absolutely dizzying week for the BBC with a whirlwind of drama and speculation, which all started with a story in The Sun that suggested a BBC presenter had paid a teenager for sexual images. The Sun didn't identify the presenter or the teenager, but published an interview with their parents and started a media firestorm. The weekend saw prominent presenters taking to social media to declare that it wasn't them, and it emerged that an original complaint was apparently made to the BBC by the victim's mother in May, and when it appeared no action had been taken, she then approached a tabloid newspaper. Former ITN chief executive Stuart Purvis was on the Sunday show saying that the BBC is in a difficult position as it can't in any way identify the presenter, but that the tone so far has been poor. The problem is it looks evasive. It mm. doesn't look, in the, in the jargon, they are transparent. Mm. So and the statement they issued to me was mm. almost pointing to the parent as the problem. The BBC Six O'Clock News on Monday evening opened with a denial from the teen at the centre of the story, with a statement from their lawyers describing the whole story as rubbish and revealing they had already contacted The Sun before they published the story. Police were accessing information from the BBC about allegations against the presenter, but said there was no investigation at this time. PR expert Kevin Craig couldn't believe the story has been published at all. He claims there's a lack of evidence. I'm actually shocked that the Sun went ahead and published a story uh, going against the, you know, denied by the person at the centre of it. This crisis hitherto has had no evidence or facts behind it. Totally hitherto unfounded speculation. The Met Police asked the BBC to stop its internal investigation while they assess the matter. And BBC Director General Tim Davy told Radio 4, for the moment, his hands are tied. It is absolutely not the right thing to be doing to speculate. We now need to let the police do their work in terms of seeing the evidence and making their call with regard to further activity. That's what we need to do. Then at 6pm on Wednesday, the nation finally find out who the presenter was from the opening lines of the BBC's own news. Well, in the last few minutes, the BBC presenter has been named as Hugh Edwards, the man who has been accused of paying a teenager for explicit photos. Those who didn't know were shocked. Those who did know were surprised to find out that it was used by Vicky Flint, 
who'd released a statement identifying him and pleading for privacy as it emerged he'd been hospitalised with mental health issues. Around the same time, the Met Police announced that they had interviewed the key players and found no evidence of criminality. The Sun newspaper clearly have questions to answer, but we'll have to wait some time to hear Hugh's side of the story as his wife's statement makes clear. Hugh is suffering from serious mental health issues. The events of the last few days have greatly worsened matters. He has suffered another serious episode and is now receiving inpatient hospital care where he'll stay for the foreseeable future. Meanwhile, Rupert Murdoch Talk TV has apparently paid the parents behind the original allegation tens of thousands for an interview to be broadcast as a documentary series. Jake Cantor, investigations editor with Deadline, says this is another example of News UK using its power to whip up a story. When it does do is feed a wider a, a wider media ecosystem at News UK. Yeah, they've got an outrage machine to fill with content on talk radio and talk TV. Uh, the Times has covered uh, yeah, extensively uh, this issue and uh, that all works in the favour of News UK. There was no good news on Wednesday about the long-awaited National Children's Hospital. The original deadline to complete the project was August 2022, but almost 12 months later, there's still no sign of works being completed or the hospital handed over. The Development Board of the hospital attended an Oireachtas committee hearing on Wednesday to explain, and David Gunning says a lot of the problems are beyond the board's control. Based on BAM's commitments, 3,000 rooms should have been completed by now. To date, 27 rooms have been deemed complete. Furthermore, upon inspection, these 27 rooms presented a large number of snags. The builder Baum issued a statement to the committee saying it's not responsible for the hospital design and rejecting any suggestion of underperformance or under-resourcing on the project. They also say 90% of the work is being completed and aimed to be finished by May 2024 and that all Thysiach Leavragar was under pressure on the cost, which may well exceed €2 billion. Euro. We can't say how much, is good, how much more it's going to cost at this stage because we're disputing the multiple claims for more money that have been made uh, by the contractor, but it is clear that it's going to be significantly in excess of 1.433 million. I don't know the amount they request, Deputy. Still to come on the standout 7 Island edition, RTE under pressure over GAA Go, and Barbie's a big Ken fan. Right after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. RT were back in front of the Oireachtas Media Committee again on Wednesday, but for once it wasn't about Ryan Tuberty or barter accounts. Instead, the committee were investigating the GAA Go streaming service, jointly owned by RTE and the GAA. The service has been plagued by complaints, particularly when high-profile games require a subscription to view them. But RTE says without another terrestrial TV partner, since Sky pulled out of GAA coverage, they don't have much choice. RTE Group Head of Sport, Declan McBennett, says that GAA Go and watching sport online is just a fact of life in the modern era. In the age in which we live, it is neither realistic nor feasible that all sport can or will be free to air. The growth of OTT services or streaming is a reality in global sport. Ireland, however small, cannot escape this reality and Covid changed the landscape with regard to streaming. 
Dele Alli has been through a lot. At just 27, he's played for England, Spurs, Everton and most recently Turkish side Besiktas. He sat down with Gary Neville's The Overlap and revealed that we didn't know half of what he's been through. He's just come out of rehab after struggling while at the Turkish club and needing help for a sleeping pill addiction and mental health issues. He's also opened up about the trauma he'd been through as a child for the first time. At six, I was molested by my mum's friend and then I was sent to Africa to learn discipline and then I was sent back. Seven, I started smoking. Eight, I started dealing drugs. Eleven, I was hung off a bridge. And then, yeah, 12, I was adopted, so. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Well, that's exactly what the stars of the new movie were out doing in L.A. The long-awaited Barbie movie has just premiered in the U.S. and all the stars, including Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, were out walking this special pink carpet. The Greta Gerwig-directed movie also has a star-packed soundtrack with Nicki Minaj, Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa and many more famous pop-up too. Barbie hit cinemas on the 21st of July, but here's Margot explaining how Ryan Gosling became her Ken. There's a video, someone's filming and you're on the street and you like stop a fight from happening. But it's you being you, you're not on set or anything and you like stop a fight from happening. You like intervene and two people are about to get in a fight and you like just come in like a hero. And that was wild all over the internet. And I remember that video and I remember thinking, he must be a really good guy. And we need a good guy to play Ken. You've been listening to the Smart 7 Ireland edition. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit the follow button and have a great day. Hi, this is Kira from the Smart 7 Ireland edition. Just to let you know, we're pausing this podcast from Friday the 25th of August, but you can still get up to speed in just seven minutes if you search the Smart 7 and catch up with our UK edition. Thanks for listening.